All right, Hare Krishna. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Radhakala Chenji Srimad Bhagavatam class. Today is January 17th, Friday, 2020. We're reading this morning from the Srimad Bhagavatam. First Canto, Chapter 5. We're beginning with text number 12. Radha Madhava Jayakunja Bihani Radha Madhava Jaku Chabihani. Sam, you can sit up on the couch. You don't have to sit like that if it hurts your knees. Gopichana Vallabha Jayagiri Vadhadi. Jai Giri Vada Pogavadi. It's better, right? Yasu Hodanantana Praja Janaram. Yasura Nantana Jaya Jamuna Tira Vana Chadi Hari. Jamuna Tira Vana Chari Chaikum Shabi Hari Jai Radha Madhava Jaikum Shabi Hari Okay, so good morning again. And welcome to Radhakala Chandi Srimad Bhagavatam class. So today we're reading from chapter 5. This chapter is entitled Narda's Instructions on Srimad Bhagavatam. So please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Thank you so much, Baru. You can take this. Go ahead. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So we're reading from text number 12. I'll read the Sanskrit. It goes, Nishkarmam Apyachuta Bhava Varjitam Nashobate Gyanam Alam Niranjanam 
Kutapunam Shashvat Abhadramishvarehim Nacharpitam Karma Yadapakarmanam Please repeat word for word. Naishkarmam. Self-realization. Being freed from the reactions of fruit of work. Api, in spite of. Achuta, the infallible Lord. Bhava, conception. Rajitam, devoid of. Na, does not. Shobate, look well. Ganam, transcendental knowledge. Alam, by and by. Niranjanam, free from designations. Kuta, where is? Punya, again. Shashvat, always. Abhadram, uncongenial. Ishvare, unto the Lord. Na, not. Cha, and. Arpitam, offered. Karma, fruit of work. Yat api, what is a karanam, not fruitive? Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Knowledge of self-realization, even though free from all material affinity, does not look well if devoid of a conception of the infallible God. What then is the use of fruitive activities? which are naturally painful from the very beginning and transient by nature, if they are not utilized for the devotional service of the Lord. Purport. As referred to above, not only ordinary literatures devoid of the transcendental glorification of the Lord are condemned, but also Vedic literatures and speculation on the subject of impersonal Brahman when they are devoid of devotional service. When speculation on the impersonal Brahman is condemned on the above ground, then what to speak of ordinary fruit of work, which is not meant to fulfill the aim of devotional service. Such speculative knowledge and fruit of work cannot lead one to the goal of perfection. Fruit of work in which almost all people in general are engaged is always painful, either in the beginning or at the end. It can be fruitful only when made subservient to the devotional service of the Lord. In the Bhagavad Gita also it is confirmed that the result of such fruit of work may be offered for the service of the Lord. Otherwise, it leads to material bondage. The bona fide enjoyer of the fruit of work is the supreme personality of Godhead. And thus, when it is engaged for the sense gratification of the living beings, it becomes an acute source of trouble. Shri Chaitanya Manobhistam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Swapadantika There's a very nice example which um, illuminates this topic and that's the example of working for a bank. 
Now, when you work for a bank, you use the bank money, you use the bank office, sometimes you use the bank car. Now, as long as you're using the money and the facilities of the bank for the purpose of the bank, you get a salary, you get a paid vacation, you get a promotion, you're given so much um, respect for taking responsibility on behalf of the bank. But as soon as you take that money for yourself, you see, you start to utilize it for your own purposes um, or use the facility of the bank for your own purpose, then you become a criminal. Then naturally you become afraid that you will be caught and you have to blame other people and make so many different complicated adjustments in your mind for what you're doing, for your criminal behavior. So in the same way, everything is the property of the Supreme Lord. Right? We have so many beautiful verses which explain that. Aham sarvasha prabhavo mata savam pavartate. Everything spiritual and material emanates from the Lord. We don't create the material energy. We did not create this universe. <laughs> We're not responsible um, for the different material facilities and functions, just like the sunshine or the water that we drink, you see, or the simple ability to see, to speak, to think. All of this is coming about by the arrangement of the Supreme Lord. And that's the scientific fact. We have to admit empirically with our senses um, that we are in contact with a higher power at every moment. And that power is maintaining us, it's nurturing us, and it's controlling us. You can say, well, I don't see God. I don't see a higher power. You see? But even though you may not see it, Krishna still exists. Even though you may not believe in it, the functions, the, the principles, the laws of material nature are still taking place. You see? Just like someone may not want to grow old but by the arrangement of the material energy, their body is gradually becoming old. Or a person may not see the law of gravity, but if they jump off the Empire State Building, it'll still work. So first of all, recognizing everything is the property of the Supreme is the foundation or the beginning to spiritual activity. You see? If we falsely claim proprietorship over the material energy and try to utilize it for our own petty, selfish purposes, then we become entangled in the laws of material nature. So there are three basic laws, three basic principles. There's the mode of ignorance, right? So when we utilize the material energy in the mode of ignorance, that's such as sleeping more than necessary, eating more than necessary, 
um, taking intoxication, engaging in illicit sex, or gambling, or meat-eating, killing animals, or manipulating and cheating people in business, or creating godless philosophy, or rejecting the existence of God based on some so-called scientific um, analysis. All these, all this, all these activities are in the mode of ignorance. So the result. Harbol, good morning, everybody. Okay, have a great day, kids, ladies, gentlemen. So if our activities are in the mode of ignorance, then we become bound by the law, the mode of ignorance. We become covered by the mode of ignorance. And the result of that is that we always feel afraid. I'm not making enough money. I'm not getting the things I need. We're always in a fearful condition, like an animal. Animals are always afraid. You see a little squirrel. You see out in Kalachanji Park. If you go towards it, the squirrel will run away out of fear. The birds will fly away. The deer will jump away. Even lions and tigers are fearful. They are. Yeah, if they see a group of men in the jungle or in the forest... The tigers and lions, they run, they hide. So, mode of ignorance makes us always afraid. And also it covers our ability to perceive our spiritual self-identity. Krishna compares the mode of ignorance to being like the embryo covered by the womb. The embryo inside the womb of the mother is basically helpless, completely in darkness, and without any understanding of what's taking place or what's this, what situation the, the embryo is in. Okay, have a great day. See you guys. Hare Krishna. Mode of passion. Activities in the mode of passion are generally between men and women. Man is crazy for women, a woman, and a woman is crazy for a man. You see? And the result of that is always endeavoring, always over-endeavoring for material things, mundane things that are very difficult to achieve. As soon as a man becomes attracted to a woman or a woman becomes attracted to a man, then as they associate with one another, they become, um, their hearts become tied together in a knot. Hridayagranti, it's called, the knot of the heart. And that knot becomes stronger and stronger as they associate with one another. And then gradually... They need some private place to associate with one another. And this is taking place not only amongst the human beings, also amongst the animals, also amongst the demigods, 
You see? This attraction, the sexual attraction between a young, between a man and a woman. Um, just like a person will need some private place, some private, some flat, some apartment, some house. Um, or the bird will need a nest. Or the tiger will need a cave. Something has to be private. And then there has to be some land. They have to purchase some land either for growing food or um, for building a skyscraper building. You see? But there has to be some type of... There has to be some land that they can utilize for making a living. And then there'll be children without... Um, children, marriage life is basically barren. It's basically useless. It's basically just dissatisfying. Hard work. And then after children, there has there must be relatives. There has to be friends, society. And gradually the person becomes completely entangled in a material conception of life. You see? So, motive passion, it always, it's always miserable. It's mentioned here in the purport by Srila Prabhupada that um, fruit of work in which almost all people in general are engaged is always painful either in the beginning or in the end. Hare Krishna, good morning. You see? One person has to go out and work very hard. Krishna, you can have a cushion, Sam. Why don't you give him a cushion to sit on? Go ahead, let him have that cushion. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you don't have to sit down, Sam. Just relax on the couch there. It's fine. So motive passion always leads to misery. It always leads to an over-endeavor from mundane things that are difficult to achieve. It always leads to a constant um, endeavor to gain superiority over other people. Motive ignorance, it makes us always fearful and it covers our intelligence, it covers our spiritual awareness. Krishna says that motive ignorance is like the embryo inside the womb. Basically, it's a helpless condition where a person doesn't understand themselves and they don't understand what they're doing is leading to so many problems. Motive passion... That's compared to be like dust on a mirror. Or just like, say, for example, when you take a hot shower and your mirror becomes filled up, covered by steam. So even though you're standing in front of the mirror, you can't see yourself. Or at best, maybe you see some little silhouette of yourself. You see so motive passion is like that. You still really have very little awareness of our 
spiritual self-identity. And mode of goodness is compared to be like smoke in a fire. It's like when a fire is burning, there's smoke coming off the fire, but you can still see the flames of the fire. So the same way someone who's in the mode of goodness means someone who's cultivating spiritual knowledge. There's a big difference between the spiritual knowledge given in Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and engineering. They're not the same. The knowledge of engineering in Sanskrit is called Shilpi. It is an art. It is not called Gyan and Vigyan. Just to become expert at living in an artistic way, you can engineer a nice house or engineer a fancy car or engineer a fancy phone. This is not real knowledge. This is just art. It's an artistic way of creating something, but it does not lead to liberation. It does not lead to understanding God. It does not lead to bhakti. So mode of goodness means engaging in study of spiritual knowledge. To understand the difference between the body and the soul. And ultimately to understand the supreme soul, paramatma. You see? There is a supreme soul. We are not God. We are just a small part and parcel of God. Just like the sun's rays, the atomic energy of the sunlight is made up of very small particles. Those particles cannot be compared to the sun. They are an emanation of the sun but they are not equal to the sun. The philosophy is a chinta bed abeda tattva, that there is an inconceivable, simultaneous oneness and difference between us and the Supreme. You see, just like a drop of ocean water, it has all the qualities of the ocean. It's liquid and it's salty. But the drop is very, very, very small. It is infinitesimal. And the ocean is infinite. So in the same way, we have all the qualities of God being part and parcel of God. Just like we are conscious. We are loving. We have intelligence. So we are one in quality with God. But we are different in quantity. God is unlimited. God has unlimited energy. Achinta Shakti. We do not have unlimited energy.
No, the soul is eternal, but our soul, the potency of our soul is very small, like a drop of ocean water. And God, Krishna's energy is like the entire ocean. Unlimited means you cannot measure it. It's beyond your calculation to conceive. God's energy is a chinta. In chinta, what, what it means is that God's energy is beyond our ability to comprehend. It is beyond our ability to um, argue or to speculate about. It is beyond um, our ability, our logical reasoning. It is beyond the material energy. That's what a chinta means. We are not beyond the control of the material energy. We cannot control the material energy. We cannot create a universe. We cannot generate unlimited wealth. We cannot stop old age. We cannot stop our own problems. We are being controlled by the energy of the Supreme. So what the verse is indicating is that just like if a man works for a bank and he uses the bank money, the bank car, the bank offices, but when he uses it for the purpose of the bank, he becomes free from the laws that govern him if he tries to take that money for himself. So in the same way, when we utilize this material energy, when we utilize our intelligence, when we utilize all of our material facilities for the purpose of Krishna, we become free from the laws of material nature which are binding us and which are inflicting suffering into our lives. The material energy has three basic types of inflictions or different three types of suffering that the material energy creates for us. They are called adi-atmic, adi-devic, and adi-bhotic miseries. There are miseries created by natural disturbances, just like now it's too cold and rainy. Or even worse than that, like hurricanes, tsunamis, or, <coughs> or drought. We cannot control these things. You cannot stand there on the shore of, you know, the Indian Ocean at Chennai and say, I will stop this next tsunami. I am God. And you will be dead. It's not that we have to prove to people that they are not God. Krishna says in the Gita, 
when I come as the form of death, when I come as, and slap them down dead at the end of their lives, then they will know who God is. We may be very proud claiming ourselves to be God, claiming that there is no God, claiming that we have achieved so many great things in this world. But at the time of death, everything will be taken away. People, they want to be recognized as Nobel laureates, as they want to be given so many different awards for their achievements. But who created their brains? That person should be given the award. So, Adi Atmik, Adi Daivik, and Adi Bhotik miseries. Miseries created by natural disturbance. Miseries created by other living beings. You see? It's like you want to be very happy. You don't want any problems. Right? But suddenly, so many problems come. Suddenly, everyone is angry. Suddenly, nobody cares about you. Adiyatmik, Adidaivik, and Adibotik miseries. Miseries created by natural disturbance, miseries created by other living beings, and miseries created by our own mind and body. We don't want to be sick, but then sickness comes. We just want to be happy and peaceful, but the mind is constantly telling us so many things that disturb us. So how can we claim that we are controlling the material energy? When there is so much misery coming from our interaction with the material energy. All of this is the result of not utilizing the material energy in the for the purpose of the proprietor of this material energy. Just like when you take the money at the bank for yourself, you become a criminal. The police will come to your house. So in the same way, when you take the material energy and say, this is mine, I will do whatever I want, then the laws of material nature inflict so much pain. But as soon as we utilize the material energy and the purpose of Krishna, we become peaceful, we become happy. 
We become free from the modes of material nature. We become freed from ignorance, free from passion, free from material goodness. And we feel joyful. The very fact that we do not feel joyful indicates that we are misusing Krishna's property. Happiness comes from within us by doing what pleases the Lord. If we do not feel joyful, that means that we are doing something wrong. So each and every one of us, we have to take a look. We know what we're doing right and wrong if we read Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, and we associate with devotees. You've heard it so many times. It says that we have to take shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord. So what does that mean? To take shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord means to take shelter of Krishna's pure devotees. That means to surrender ourselves to a pure devotee, to ask the pure devotee, how should I live my life? How should I engage myself? It's not that there are no instructions. There are all the instructions that are in there already in the scripture. And the example of the pure devotees, so many beautiful devotees are there for us. And so many devotees are there for us to associate with. But the problem is we don't carry out those instructions. It's not that we don't know. It's not that this knowledge is not available to us. But we are refusing to carry out the orders of the spiritual master. Just like there was a cartoon in the newspaper in India during Prabhupada's time. And there was a woman and she was telling her husband to chant. Chant Hare Krishna. If you chant, you will have Krishna's association. So the lady was saying, chant, chant, chant. And the man was telling his wife, can't, can't, can't. So if we are going to be very stubborn, if we are going to just reject this this good information given to us on how to get free from the influence of the material nature, then the only other recourse is that we have to suffer. 
There is no limit to perfection in Krishna consciousness, but there is also no limit to how much the material energy can kick us. We can go through this lifetime and suffer birth, old age, disease, and death. And if we're unwilling to serve and love Krishna, then we have to go through it again and again and again. How many lifetimes will we have to go through repeated birth and death before we just turn to our best friend, our well-wisher, the supreme enjoyer, the controller of everything, and engage in loving service? It seems so simple. But it's very hard to um, accept, you see, the um, position of subservience to submit, to submit ourselves to the chanting of the holy name, to submit ourselves to the spiritual master, It's even hard to submit ourselves to staying awake. Most people think, oh, my life, better I go back to sleep. Maybe if I sleep, my problems will go away. So as referred here in the verse, not only ordinary literature devoid of transcendental glorification of the Lord is condemned, but also Vedic literatures and speculation on the subject of impersonal Brahman, which is devoid of devotional service, is also condemned. So we have to be very careful who we accept spiritual guidance from. And what is the authority of that knowledge? Where does that knowledge come from? How is it passed down in disciplic succession? And how do we follow that knowledge properly so that we can become happy and joyful? So it's not a matter of just giving up on ourselves or giving up on life or giving up something, but it's a matter of utilizing everything in the proper way. Just like a person may be um, attached to earning money, they are attached to economic development. All day long, they can just think of how can I make more money, more money, more money. See? So, here in the purport, Srila Prabhupada is saying that if you cannot utilize your time for chanting and worshiping the deities, 
then and but and but you are so attached to earning money then you have to learn how to utilize the money for krishna So Prabhupada, he recommended publishing books. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati said, if you have money, publish and distribute books. Distribute the Bhagavad Gita. This is such a nice thing. If you really want to love someone, then you have to teach them how to love God. That's real love. So how to utilize everything in Krishna's service? That's the guidance of the spiritual master so nice because the spiritual master can help us to learn how to utilize everything throughout the day in a spiritual way in a way which will make us always joyful, in a way that will free us from all the miseries that now cloud our minds and that haunt us. And when one begins to take up devotional service, they experience joyfulness. And then they want to utilize everything more and more in the service of Krishna. That's our natural position. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.